got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. You don't got time for that. All right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Nick Springer. Derek Johnson out today. He's gone. He'll be back tomorrow, though. I hope. I think. So today we commence Operation Don't Burn Down the Studio while Derek is gone. See how I do. We got a very, very packed show today. Lots to get to. Uh, It's National Championship Game Day for college football. So we got some talk about that. Rock Talk Pick a Hawk in this hour, uh, along with some KU football transfer updates as well in this hour. In the 4 o'clock hour, it'll be a lot of NFL talk. We'll have the Chiefs, uh, some Big 12 basketball discussion, and just uh, also a breakdown of, of the playoffs as the last day of the NFL season was yesterday. And in the 5 o'clock hour, case of the Mondays, along with some audio from KU's big victory over West Virginia. But first, the fans, the tradition, the glory. There's nothing more thrilling than college football, and it all comes down to the national championship game happening tonight. And your go-to betting, your go-to for betting is DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. And right now, new customers can bet just five dollars on college football and get two hundred dollars in free bets instantly, win or lose. Plus, everyone can combine multiple bets for a bigger payout with DraftKings Same Game Parlays. We'll have more discussion of the College Football National Championship, as I said, coming up. And as of right now, the line is Georgia minus thirteen, so you can get in on that if you think Georgia is going to blow out TCU. Or if you think TCU is going to keep it close. And the over-under, it was actually, uh, it dropped a little bit, and now it's back up to 63. So over-under 63, there's tons of prop bets you can get on DraftKings as well. So you can create your same game parlays or whatever you want to do as well. So, And listen, hey, today is your tonight's your last opportunity to bet on college football for almost eight months. So th- this is it, man. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code, use code KLWN. New customers bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly. That's code KLWN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Bonus issued as free bets. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. So KU football, KU basketball, excuse me, gets the win over West Virginia on Saturday, and it was pretty dominant. They pretty much just controlled from wire to wire, and I don't know how many games this season in in conference play you'll be able to say that uh, for Kansas. So I think you really need to relish that game against West Virginia because I don't think that's I don't think you're going to have very many more games where uh, it's relatively stress free for the most part. I mean, West Virginia never really threatened. They got it down to five. Uh, before halftime, and then K.J. Adams hit a couple free throws to make it seven. I think that was about as close as they got, really, in the second half. It was pretty much Kansas coasting for the most part. And the AP poll came out this morning. Kansas moves up to number two. Houston is number one. And listen, if you want to get mad at the AP poll, knock yourself out. I am going to take the high road here. I don't care about the AP poll. Kansas should be the number one team in the country. That's all I'm going to say, but I don't care. I don't care. 
I don't care. If you if you want to get mad, more power to you, man. Yo, go yell at some clouds. I love that for you. Me personally, doesn't matter. Kansas, if the NCAA tournament started today, would be the clear number one overall seed, I think, and that's all that matters. So I don't care about the AP poll. I just wanted to, to get my two cents on that. Anyways, Kansas, as I said, dominates, pretty much controls, and it really started from the outset with that very, very hot shooting from KU right out the get-go, and it wasn't just one guy. I mean, it was just everybody, flamethrowers from three. Dewan hit a couple. Kevin McCuller, Grady, and Jalen all knocked down threes. Kansas started six for six from three, I believe, uh, right out the gate against West Virginia. And for a lot of Kansas fans, they're probably thinking, that's normally what happens to Kansas, right? Nor- normally Kansas doesn't do that. and uh, But they did it against West Virginia and really delivered a pretty big gut punch early to the Mountaineers. And this West Virginia squad, man, it just it just feels like, I mean, they're normally a team that hangs heavily on their defense, on the defensive pressure to maybe kind of cover up some other gaps they might have. And it just doesn't seem like their defense this season is up to what it can't, what it has been in the past or what it, what it could have been in the past. And because of that, they've just got other flaws that have kind of showed. And against Kansas, they weren't really hitting shots either. And when Kansas comes out and goes six for six to start the game from three, or five for six to, from to start from three. Uh, Kevin McCuller did have his first shot, by the way, which we'll hear about. We'll hear Kevin kind of talk about this a little bit later on in the show when we get to his, the audio uh, with him in the five o'clock hour with Kevin and Grady Dick. He talks about how, or somebody asked him a question. His first shot of the game, it was from the corner, and he hit the side of the backboard with a shot. And then at like two two possessions later, he comes back and hits a three. Right, so just kind of that that confidence that you have to have in your shot was on display there from, from Kevin McCuller because, dude, if you if you go into a game and your first shot <laughs> just goes off the side of the backboard, I mean, I per, I would be rattled. I would be. I'd be rattled, but not Kevin McCuller. So as a team, Kansas finished 11 of 24 from three, and I just think that very there are going to be very few teams in the country that are going to be able to beat Kansas when they shoot 46% from three, which is what they did in this game, 11 from 24. I mean, if this team is able to shoot from three-point range like that, to me, I don't see them losing very many games where they, where they do that, right? Unless the other team just somehow shoots even better from three. So that was a really, really good sign. And we've we've kind of talked about it already, and, and Dewan has really, really come out of his shell in terms of shooting a three-point shot over these past uh, couple weeks and with the start of if conference play. And that just makes such a huge difference, right? It just makes such a huge difference in the offense when you've got Dewan feeling comfortable and being able to knock down some shots. I mean, when he is a comfortable three-point shooter, it just opens up everything for the offense. It positively impacts your primary, your other primary offensive scorer, scorers, right? Grady Dick, Jalen Wilson. I mean, think about, go back to the Tennessee game. Which The Tennessee game, there was a lot of different things that happened that caused Kansas to lose that game. But what did Tennessee do? They face-guarded Grady Dick because they didn't think that anybody else was a real legitimate three-point threat from Kansas, right? And... Right now, Kevin McCullough shooting the ball pretty well. DeWan Harris is certainly shooting it well. So there's other guys that are starting to step up for Kansas and, and make threes. And, and we even saw some teams in non-conference that were playing almost four on five against DeWan, right? They, they were just daring him to shoot. And I don't think you're going to be able to play that way against, against Kansas anymore defensively. So that's going to really, it should open things up for other guys like Grady and, and Jalen. So very, very impressive. And in this game against West Virginia, all five starters scored double digits. All five. That's crazy. By the way, Jalen, uh, 14 points, 14 rebounds, and we'll hear from Bill Self later on the show. Bill Self called that a, a real double-double. He, he kind of 
Bill Self kind of threw some shade. I thought he said, you know, 10 and 10 is not a real double-double. 14 and 14 is a real double-double, which honestly, sure. But if, I mean, are we really going to be shaming double-doubles here? Like, if you get a double-double, it's it's a double-double, right? Unless, you know, I, I don't know. I thought that was kind of funny. But, yeah, 14 and 14 from Jalen. And, again, another game where certainly from the rebounding standpoint, watching that game live, you were probably thinking, where did Jalen get his 14 rebounds from? And that's just the type of player that I think he continues to need to be continues to be or continues to let me see if I can phrase this right continues to need to be I don't even know if that's right for Kansas is just this guy that fills up the stat sheet but does it in such a manner where it's almost like you don't even realize he's doing it right I mean yeah like I said this is a this was a pretty a, a quiet 14 and 14 shall we say from Jalen Wilson right and still he was dominant so really pre- really impressive performance from all of the starters for Kansas in this game. Jalen Wilson, 14 points. K.J. Adams, 14. Dewan Harris, 11. Grady Dick, 16. Kevin McCuller went had 12 and 8 as well. So, And and it's been kind of clear, I think, to, mo- to most people that that's the strength of this Kansas team is their starters, right? They're, they may not necessarily be extremely deep, but their starting five is maybe one of the best starting five in the country when you consider – Dewan Harris as your floor general plus his defensive attributes. When you consider Kevin McCuller and just kind of his ability to fill the stat sheet and also be an elite wing defender. Grady Dick is the silencer, the guy who can just knock down from three. And then you've got K.J. Adams, the all-motor guy who just kind of does everything, dog player. And then, of course, Jalen Wilson, who at this point you would consider to be your star, I guess, on the team. But I want to go. I want to have this conversation about Grady for a second here. Grady Dick, I think, is officially in the category of three-point shooters that in Kansas, under Bill Self, there's not very many of them. And what I mean is, if he is open a little bit and he rises up, you just assume it's going in. I mean, how, how many Kansas shooters under Bill Self can you can you make that statement for? How many Kansas shooter, shooters under Bill Self can you say, if this guy has a little bit of space and he rises up, you know it's going in? Svi? I think, would be in that category. Brandon Green? I don't know who else. I mean, I'm sure you could probably come up with a couple of guys, but I mean, th- I mean, that's just how I feel about Grady Dick. If he has a little bit of space and he rises up, I just assume it's going in. I just assume it's going in. And let me tell you, those types of players are the guys that can be the difference come March. If you have a dude on your team that you know you know when he's open, if he has a little bit of space and he gets open, he's going to make 70% of those threes, 80% of those threes, whatever number you want to come up with. That is special, and that's something that really, really plays in the NCAA tournament. So to me, that's the level that Grady Dick is at right now with Kansas. I think he's, I think he's on that level. And I was thinking about this a little deeper. You, can really, probably, you could probably argue there's two different categories here. I was thinking about this. You probably have... One category where you would say, okay, if a guy gets if a guy is open in the corner, he's gonna hit it every time. And that I think is where you put Grady Dick. That's where I think you put a guy like Sfee. There's there's a separate category I would say that's more of along the lines of he's a clutch shooter. He's a guy that if he's got a hand in his face late in the game, he's gonna knock it down. And in that category, you probably got Mario Chalmers, Devontae Graham, and I don't know, maybe some other guys, but so those are the kind of the, those are the kind of the two categories of three point shooters. But I think I think Grady Dick firmly, if he's open, if he's got a little bit of space, 
it, it's just going in. That's how I feel every time he rises up. That's 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 how I feel. He rises up. I think it's going in. End of story. Another big factor in the game for Kansas against West Virginia, they made their free throws. They made their free throws. 17 of 19 from the line for Kansas. And something that's kind of interesting is Kansas in recent years, they haven't always necessarily been the best free throw shooting teams. But they were 17, 17 of 19 against West Virginia. And this was a game where West Virginia, I don't even I couldn't even tell you when they got called for their first foul. I mean, it was well into the first half, certainly. But Kansas, they didn't let that get to them. And you hear more from Bill Self. Bill Self talked about it, how West Virginia got into the bonus pretty early in both the first half and the second half, and yet still the free throw disparity was was not that large. So Kansas was 17 of 19 from the line. West Virginia was 18 of 28. But West Virginia uh, spent a good chunk of both the first half and the second half in the bonus. And Bill Self basically talked about how, hey, you know, they got in the bonus pretty early, but they didn't end up shooting a million free throws. They did. They didn't end up going to the line a bunch. And so he basically was saying, hey, you know, that's a credit to Kansas for playing disciplined defense and not getting called for fouls later on in the first or second half. And then going back to West Virginia, I mean, I know that they are really highly ranked in a lot of metrics and as every Big 12 team is right now, but I was just pretty unimpressed with West Virginia. I really was not very impressed with them. Eric Stevenson was just 4 of 19 from the floor. And he was probably billed as maybe the guy that could explode and kind of keep West Virginia in the game. Four of 19. 0 of 5 from 3. Collectively, West Virginia was just 4 of 20 in the game from 3. I can tell you, you're not going to beat Kansas if you go 4 from 20 from 3. I don't, I don't care what Kansas shoots. You're not, you're not going to be, going to be Kansas going 4 from 20. So I, I don't know. I was just I, I thought, and again, maybe this is just uh, previous years of watching West Virginia. I just really, I, I guess I expected more from their defense in terms of pressure, but they just didn't, it just wasn't the same. It just wasn't the same. So, uh, and again, I, I really want to say, I just, I don't think you're going to have very many games like this the rest of the season in, in conference play for Kansas. I really don't. I don't think you're going to have very many games where it's just wire to wire, you were in control. It was never really that close. Like I said, West Virginia got it to five around halftime, but never really, you never really felt that threatened, right? I don't think you're going to have very many games like that in conference play, especially on the road, especially on the road. So all in all, a really, really big win for Kansas. I, there are still some question marks. So watching the game, and I'm sure a lot of Kansas fans had the same questions in their heads, MJ Rice where was he? Couldn't even get on the floor with a 15-plus lead and the 15-point-plus lead in the second half. And uh, and then we'll hear a little bit more from Bill Self about that. Bill Self said in the postgame that MJ had back spasms uh, in warm-ups and, and was unable to play. Now, uh, today he did say he's going to be back at practice, though, so that's good. But, uh, if you, I mean, I just feel bad for MJ, really. I mean, you'd love to see him get, get going, right? And it just feels like he's, whether it's been – uh, sickness, injury, combination of both. In this case, some back spasms pregame. Like, I just feel like he hasn't been able to get into any sort of rhythm. So it was it was disappointing that he wasn't able to get in the game, especially in a game like this. Because again, you had a you had a double digit lead for most of the second half. This would have been the perfect game to get MJ in because the I think 
what you need to keep in mind with MJ is we really haven't seen him that much against Power 5 talent. The games where he's done really well was some of the games against lesser opponents, right? So you'd really love to see him get in in conference play and, and get his feet under him a little bit. Because I think there is still that question of, is it MJ or is it Joe, right? And for Joe Yesfu, he played 16 minutes, just one of three from the floor, two points, two rebounds, no assists, two turnovers, one steal, right? And he just, I mean, that's that's pretty pedestrian. That's pretty uninspiring, I guess, from a from a guy who now in over a season, you could say, okay, well, he should be in a position to to make, be more of a scorer or be more of a – I mean, that's what he was at Drake. Listen, at Drake, he was just an automatic score, automatic score. Just hasn't come to fruition for him. Zuby was the first big off the bench again, although Clements, Clements came in, played a few minutes. But Zuby continues to be the first big off the bench. And it feels like right now – and I, I kind of alluded to this a little while back that earlier on in the preseason and the start of the season, there was a question – there was like – Oh, this big discussion of well, what's the rotation going to look like? How are we going to trim it down to? How is Bill going to trim it down to seven, eight, nine players? That's what he normally does. Well, now I feel like it's pretty obvious, right? The five starters: Bobby, Zuby, and then your eighth guy is probably Joe or MJ at this point. Ernest Dude didn't play at all in the game, and as, as as far as we're aware, as far as I'm aware, no no injury to Uday. He just didn't play. So yeah, I think that's your eight guys right there. The starters, Bobby, Zuby, and Joe slash MJ, I would think. But overall, I don't think you could ask for a better start to conference play if you're Kansas, truly. 3-0, two road wins, two home games coming up against Oklahoma and Iowa State. And considering the other results of the weekend, which we'll we'll get more into in the, in the 4 o'clock hour, I really think this is a dream start for, for KU in, in conference play. Dream start. And now you're going to be at home against Oklahoma, who you you could argue is probably one of the weaker opponents in conference play, one of the weaker teams in the league. And then Iowa State, who is another team that's 3-0, and so you definitely don't want to fall asleep against Iowa State. But then after these two home games against uh, Oklahoma and Iowa State, you go at K-State, home against TCU, and at Baylor. Which to me, that, that three-game stretch feels like it'll be a kind of a a moment where you can really kind of figure out exactly where Kansas is at maybe. Because if K-State keeps winning, that game at K-State, which is coming up in eight, it's on the 17th, so in eight days, I mean, that game is going to be the rowdiest, most hostile environment probably in all of college basketball this season. If K-State is keeps winning and is undefeated or maybe has one loss in conference play. So we'll see what happens with that. And then also the musket incident, <laughs> which I forgot, to, I forgot to mention that. The musket incident, which was... Uh, the mascot for West Virginia, I think, inadvertently fired off his musket before the end of the first half. Uh, there was a lot of discussion about that between uh, the players and Bill Self. So you'll, we'll hear a lot more about the musket incident uh, as well in that audio coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. So overall, Kansas 74-62. Or, that's a, yeah, 74. Oh, 76-62. My apologies. 14-point win. I want to make sure I get the score right. 76-62, Kansas wins. As I said, I think... I don't think you could ask for a more picture-perfect start to conference play. Baylor, one of the other favorites in preseason, 0-3. Texas looking shaky. TCU wins at Baylor but then loses at home to Iowa State. 
I think you got to feel really, really good if you're Kansas right now. Really good. All right, we'll take a timeout when we come back. Rock Chalk Pick a Hawk recap. Derek is not here, but I'll still recap our Rock Chalk Pick a Hawk uh, coming up and talk about that. And then later on in the hour, a update on K football transfer news. And we'll talk a little bit about the College Football National Championship, which is coming up tonight, Georgia and TCU. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Just past 3.30 here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Nick Springer. Derek Johnson out today. Should be back tomorrow, though, I think. He went to Vegas over the weekend, and I don't know. I mean, I haven't heard from him. So, I don't know. Maybe he maybe he uh, hit it big down there, and he's never coming back. I hope he comes back, though. I hope he comes back so that I can keep beating him in Rock Chalk's Rock Chalk Pickahawk. Rock Talk Pickhawk recap from the Saturday game between West Virginia and Kansas. A reminder for those listening for the first time, maybe. Rock Talk Pickhawk, you, Derek and I have each selected teams of six players. And in Big 12 play, we added a new rule consisting of you can take one player from the opposing team. So each of us had one player from West Virginia. But uh, five players from Kansas on each team. And you get points. You get one point for every point they score. So if they score 12, you get 12 points. Two points for assists, two points for rebounds, three points for steals, three points for blocks, minus one point for every shot missed, and minus two points for turnovers committed by that player. Coming into Saturday, I had been on a hot streak. Been kind of beating Derek pretty good. I think I'd won four or five in a row. I was up six to five total, but Derek got the win on Saturday, so we're now tied at six. Rock Chuck Pickahawk wins each. Derek's team with Jalen Wilson, Kevin McCuller, K.J. Adams, Ernest Uday, Cam Martin, and Trey Mitchell of West Virginia defeated my team of Grady Dick, Dewan Harris, Bobby Pettiford, Zuby Ejiofor, M.J. Rice, and Eric Stevenson of West Virginia. Derek had 96 points. I had 73. Derek got 30 from Jalen Wilson, 29 from Kevin McCuller, and 19 from K.J. Adams. And he had zero from Ernest Uday and zero from Cam Martin. Neither one of them played. And Trey Mitchell from West Virginia got him 18. So, this is actually a pretty embarrassing loss for me. I'm kind of glad Derek's not here to gloat, to gloat about it to me. Derek beat me, and two of his players scored zero points. I mean, that's a that's a terrible, terrible loss for me. I had Grady Dick. He had 30. So Grady Dick and Jalen Wilson basically cancel each other out. They both had 30. I got 22 from Dewan Harris, 10 from Bobby Pettiford, 5 from Zuby Ejiofor, 0 from MJ Rice. He also didn't play. And Eric Stevenson from West Virginia got me six. And for Eric Stevenson, I mean, when you go four of 19, that's you 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 lose 15 points off that because you lose a point for every missed shot. So four of 19 from the floor for Eric Stevenson, that really hurt me. But I kind of gambled here. I took uh, Grady Dick, number two overall, which the way things have been going, it's been generally Jalen Wilson and Kevin McCuller have been the two best Rock Chuck Pickhawk scorers. So I took a gamble with Grady Dick, but he ended up scoring the exact same amount of, as as Jalen Wilson did. But then McCuller outscored Dewan Harris. Derek got 19 from KJ Adams. I only got 10 from Bobby Pettiford. And then 5 from Zuby and 6 from Derek Stevenson. So that's really where I lost was late on. So 96-73, Derek gets the win. We're now tied at 6 wins apiece uh, in Rock Chalk Pickahawk. And 
I don't know how I feel about the idea of, of picking a, a player from the other team. I mean, I, I kind of get it, I guess, because we're kind of getting to the stage of conference play like I just talked about in the open about. just It's just that we're, we're trying to pick 10 or 12 players. So, you know, five five players for each of us or six players from each of us in this case. And the reality of the situation is the the rotation for Kansas kind of just doesn't go deep enough to really accommodate that many Rock Chuck Pickahawk players. I mean, I mean, listen, we had we had twelve players, and three of them scored zero points. Ernest Uday, Cam Martin, MJ, MJ Rice. Now, I could make a claim to Derek, which I may attempt to do, that I should be compensated in some form of points for MJ Rice not playing because I didn't know that he was not going to play when we did pick a hawk. So I could try to 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 make a fuss about it. But I don't know. I lost by 23, so I don't think there's any way that I could have feasibly done anything else that would have allowed me to win. So maybe I'll just maybe I'll just bow out gracefully and let Derek have this one. We're tied up at 6 wins apiece in Rock Chalk Pickahawk and I'm sure we'll be picking again tomorrow ahead of KU's matchup against Oklahoma. So, that is the Rock Chalk Pickahawk recap from the game on Saturday against West Virginia. We'll take a timeout right now when we come back. I have a little bit of discussion of some K football transfer updates. A couple transfers came in over the weekend for Kansas. Uh, update you on that a little bit and then get into some college football national championship talk. The national championship is tonight, so that's a look ahead on the other side. And then a lot of NFL talk coming up in the 4 o'clock hour as well. We'll take a time out. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Just past 340 here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Nick Springer. Derek Johnson is out today. I'm all by myself. All right, I guess I should probably not try out for uh, American Idol or anything like that. Listen, I've got a great shower singing voice. But then again, everybody does. Everybody has a great shower singing voice. Nobody will tell you that they're bad at singing in the shower. Nobody. But they might be bad at it anywhere else, right? All right, enough shower singing talk. Anyways, KU football. A couple big transfers came in over the weekend. The Hawks added California offensive lineman Spencer Lavelle and Bowling Green linebacker J.B. Brown out of the transfer portal. J.B. Brown from Bowling Green has two seasons of eligibility left and had 52 tackles this past season for Bowling Green. And for Kansas, they're bringing back their starting linebackers, Taiwan Berryhill, Rich Miller, Craig Young. But Eric Gilliard went portaling. And you need to fill in, you need to replace him. Lorenzo McCaskill graduated. Need to replace him. Gavin Potter went portaling. Need to replace him. So the depth of your linebacker room is coming into this, or at least at, at least right now. Obviously, we still have about seven, eight months until we need to worry about it. But on paper, it's a little bit thin when you lose your reserves. So you look at J.B. Brown, as I said, 52 tackles this past season for Bowling Green. Seems like he could be kind of a, a guy in the same line of, of thinking as, as an Eric Gilliard, a guy who might end up playing 20, 25 snaps a game for you as a, as a reserve linebacker. We'll see. And Spencer Lavelle, six foot three or six foot six, 330 pound offensive lineman, a graduate transfer from California. So he spent three years at Arizona State, transferred to Cal, but dealt with some injuries this season. 
and decided to graduate transfer from Cal and ultimately didn't leave the Pac-12 to come to Kansas. He picked KU over Colorado, by the way. So that sucks, Deion Sanders. That sucks, Coach Prime. Lance Leipold out here beating Coach Prime. Love to see it. He primarily plays guard, but he could play tackle. And uh, the coaches, the coaching staff, particularly Lance Leipold, had emphasized how they they want to add a little more depth. They wanted a little more depth on the O-line. And this feels like a move to add some depth there. I don't know that Lavelle's going to come in and necessarily be a starter. I guess he could be. But when you look at the O-line, Mike Nowitzki, you figure, is going to be your center. Dominic Pony, after the year he had, you figure is probably going to be one of your starting guards. You still have Amarje Reed Adams. You still have Michael Ford. You lose Earl Bostic, but Logan Brown, that that star uh, recruit from Wisconsin, you figure that he's going to be probably filling in, taking the spot of Earl Bostic, and you still have Bryce Cable do as well. So we'll see how he fits in. So those are a couple of transfers that Kansas got. Oh, by the way, the announcement from uh, Spets Lavelle, amazing. If you haven't seen it, you need to go on Twitter and find this. Uh, it's a picture of him – Spencer Lavelle and Andy Kolnicki, both shirtless, just flexing. And Andy Kolnicki, man, looking good. Doing good work on the recruiting trail and looking good while he's doing it. That is an that was an awesome picture. It was great. Viewer discretion is advised. So there's your KU football transfer news updates. A couple of guys on the off one on the offensive line, one on defense in the linebacker room, and if of course, really the, the biggest news for Kansas probably outside of the transfer news lately was the, the news from Lonnie Phelps to declare for the NFL draft. So Kansas probably you would think uh, would need to look to the portal again to try to find maybe an impact guy for their D-line. I mean, you know, you're already losing a lot from that D-line, and to lose Lonnie Phelps does feel like a pretty significant blow. So you figure that they're going to be doing more work in the portal looking for uh, another guy like Lonnie Phelps who could come in and, and make an impact as a pass rusher on the D-line. So we'll keep an eye on that. Speaking of college football, the national championship is tonight. And to me, this is always like a fun night, but also a really sad night because it's like, yeah, national championship, but also, you know what this means? It means no more college football for eight months. I mean, that's devastating devastating especially for Kansas because this is the first year probably in 15 years where Kansas fans have obviously had a ton of fun I mean this was a great season for Kansas and now you have to wait eight months you know normally for for nor in a normal year for Kansas prior to the Lance Leipold era it was probably more of a oh, okay thank goodness this is over man I mean I don't have to worry about college football for eight months but Man, I'm just, I don't know. I just got the college football juices running through me with Kansas. So I'm really sad. I'm really sad that this is going to be the last college football game for almost eight months. TCU versus Georgia. Georgia beat Ohio State on the missed field goal at the end that happened right at the chime of midnight of 2023. So nobody entered 2023 in a worse state than Ohio State fans. Nobody. Right at the stroke of midnight, they missed the field goal. Georgia moves on to the title game. TCU takes out Michigan in an absolutely wild game. I mean, some crazy stuff happened. And so the general storyline coming into this game is, does TCU have a chance? I mean, look at the line. It's 13. Does, does TCU have a chance? 
I don't know. I think Georgia would have to play really poorly for TCU to have a chance. To me, Georgia's clearly the better team, which is the case pretty much against anybody. Although Ohio State actually ended up matching up against them pretty well. But this, I mean, there's interesting, like, individual matchups in the game, but this to me feels like, collectively, Georgia would have to really, really screw this up for TCU to win. I could be wrong. Hypnotoad could prove me wrong. But that's just kind of how I feel. Because when you really, really take a dive into the TCU-Michigan game, you realize that Michigan probably should have won easily. On the opening drive, they ran just the dumbest fourth down play call I've ever seen. One of the dumbest. They get stopped in the red zone. They throw two pick sixes to TCU. They have one of the worst overturned touchdown calls of all time on that on that play where I don't I don't remember the name of the receiver where he catches it on the goal line and he like is clearly in the end zone. Overturned and on the very next play Michigan fumbles. I mean just some once in a million type stuff needed to happen for TCU to win that game against Michigan. And that that's what I'm talking about when I look at this game against Georgia. I think kind of the same thing needs to happen. Georgia needs to not play well. And listen, Georgia, I think I think it's very possible Georgia could sleepwalk into this game. And so maybe if TCU just comes out really fire and real aggressive, they can get up a little bit and make it a game that way. But I don't know. I just have a hard time viewing this as a game that TCU is going to win. Now, here's what I will say, though. Michigan tried to run the ball right at TCU, like, a lot. They tried it. They tried to just line up and play smash-mouth football, and it, it kind of didn't work. Like, TCU's defense, they kind of just sold out against the run, and they they kind of stopped it. They really did, if you, if you look at that game. So... I suspect Georgia will probably try to do the same thing. And I guess we'll see if they have, I guess we'll see if if TCU is up to the task again. Now, the difference here is that Georgia has the best tight end in the country, Brock Bowers. And they have some pretty good receivers that they can make you pay as well. When you look at the quarterbacks, see, this is interesting because typically, especially at the college level, you would think whichever team has the better quarterback is probably the team that has a better chance of winning the game, right? Well, in this case, I think you'd probably say that Max Duggan, certainly this season, is better than Stetson Bennett. I mean, Stetson Bennett, he he's the butt end of a lot of jokes on Twitter, I can tell you that, about being a game manager and, and all of this, that, and the other. I mean, I think you probably would take Max Duggan. And also, TCU has maybe one of the best players in the game in Quentin Johnson on their team as well. I mean, he can be a game-breaker. And the thing about Georgia is they, they do play a lot of man coverage, and I think this is that is going to be beneficial to TCU in two different ways. Number one, Max Duggan is a very capable runner. He's a comfortable as a runner, and he can make plays with his legs. And if he's able to, to break contain against the Georgia pass rush and make things happen with his legs, that could really open it up for TCU. And then on top of that, if you're playing a lot of man coverage, if Quentin Johnson wins his matchups, you could equalize that way. But I, I don't know. I don't know. Georgia is 13-point favorites. The over-under in the game is 63. 
I think probably the over is a is a good bet. I, again, I think the path to the game being less than sixty three points is that Georgia just dominates and they win like thirty eight to ten or thirty one to ten, something like that. And and TCU just never in the game, never even have a chance. That's the path to the under. Other than that, I think it's going to go over because I think Georgia could end up scoring 40, 50 points. And then at TCU, if they're going to hang with them, they're going to need to score just as many, obviously. So we'll see what happens with that. But I do think that I, – I, I don't know. This is kind of hard to read. And really all of the playoff games were kind of hard to read. The Ohio State-Georgia game was – a lot better than I thought it was going to be. And obviously the TCU-Michigan game was great. But this one, again, I'm having a hard time reading it. I mean, TCU, they, they're they obviously the, the plucky underdog, the team that everyone wants to root for. They got hypno-toed, this, that, and the other. I mean, are they just the team of destiny and just they're just going to find a way to win? And also, what would that mean for the Big 12 if TCU goes and wins? I mean, that's a big deal. That's a huge deal, really. Considering the Big 12 hadn't even won a playoff game until TCU won against Michigan. So that would be certainly significant for the Big 12. Certainly. Especially when you're about to lose Texas and Oklahoma. But you're about to gain some pretty solid football programs. I mean, Houston had a decent year. Houston Houston had a disappointing year based on their expectations, but had a good year nonetheless. I mean, that was a team in Houston that was, I think, kind of a kind of a hot pick to be a New Year's Six Bowl team, a 10-11 win team. It just didn't happen for them. Cincinnati, there's probably some question marks with Luke Fickle leaving. You figure they're still going to be a pretty solid team. UCF is generally a pretty solid team. BYU, another team that had a disappointing year but has been good in the past. And then you look at Texas and Oklahoma. I mean, limping into the SEC, that is not what you want if you're those schools. But honestly, screw them. I mean, they want to go. They want to be there. Go be 5-7 and seven every year. Oklahoma, Texas. Go be go be five and seven. Go go do it. Knock yourselves out. Knock yourselves out. Have a good time. See you never. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. I think that would be pretty hilarious though if the Big Twelve and TCU wins the national championship as soon as Texas and Oklahoma are trying to leave for the SEC presumably because they probably think that they have a better chance of winning the national championship out of the SEC. Which they can't even win the Big 12. Oh, now you're going to go down to the SEC? Okay, yeah, okay, sure. Bunch of clowns. Clowns. So anyways, I, I again, I'm, I'm hesitant to say that this is going to be a close game, but I don't know that it's going to be a blowout either. My fear is that it's going to be one of those games where it's like kind of close, but you know all along that Georgia's in control and is going to win the game. You know what I mean? Like, you ever watch those games where it's like 
13 to 7, 20, 23 to 10, 23 to 13, 30 to 20. And then the final score ends up being like, I don't know, 44 to 28, 44 to 31. Where it's like, you can't really call it a blowout, but it was never, the question of the outcome was never in doubt. That's kind of how I feel. Well, and I do think, kind of going back to what I mentioned about Georgia sleepwalking into this game, I do think that the first couple drives of this game are going to set the tone. Right? Like, if, if George, if TCU does come out and let's say they go down and score pretty easily and it's, you know, 7 nothing early, then I think maybe you might have a ball game. But if they go three and out, Georgia goes and scores pretty easily, then I'll be concerned. I'll be concerned. That that would make me nervous for, for TCU. But yeah, just cherish it, man. Just cherish it. Last college football game in seven, eight months. Just cherish it. Just enjoy the ride, man. Just enjoy the ride. That's what I've been doing this whole season with K football. Just enjoy the ride. Just enjoy being here. That's what I'm going to do tonight. I mean, I want it to be a good game, obviously, but... Nah. I'll just enjoy the ride. All right, so coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Going to have a lot of NFL talk. Chiefs. They beat the Raiders. Talk about it. Also, uh, just a, a Big 12 basketball whip around from this past weekend and kind of looking at the, the conference as a whole. I, I mentioned in the open, man, there's a lot of craziness going on in the Big 12. And I, I get the sense it's only going to get crazier. We'll talk about that a little bit in the 4 o'clock hour. And we normally have our NFL Monday overreaction segment, but there, the way it work, the way we do it is it's a back and forth with me and Derek. Well, Derek's not here, so I'm, instead of trying to, to do that, I'm going to just do a little playoff talk. We'll have a little bit of maybe overreaction discussion a little bit, but uh, we'll kind of set the, set the stage for the playoffs a little bit. Wildcard weekend coming up. And in the 5 o'clock hour, case of the Mondays and some audio from Kevin McCuller and Grady Dick after West Virginia and Bill Self after West Virginia as well. That's a look ahead of the rest of the show. We'll take a time out right now. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Four o'clock hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Nick Springer. Derek Johnson, he's out today. He should be back tomorrow. So I'm just here by myself trying to make sure that I don't uh, burn down the station. Destroy our credibility, ruin the show. That's my goals for today. Which, when you consider that those are my goals, it's a pretty low bar. Pretty low bar for success. But hey, listen. If you set the bar low, then you're always going to succeed. There you go. That was Monday Musings with me, Nick Springer. Maybe we should make that into a segment. If you're looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering, Venue 1235 has you covered. Located right off I-70 and five minutes from downtown Lawrence, Venue 1235 is a large climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and a covered patio. All right, so the Chiefs get a big win on Saturday. 
By the way, I'm going to sue whoever scheduled the Chiefs and, the, and KU at the same time. I'm going to fight them. Taking this to the court of law. That should be banned. You should be banned from scheduling two teams, two teams that I like, two teams that I want to watch at the same time. Who do I have to get on the phone to make that happen? Listen, Brett Yormark catches a lot of flack here. I always tell him, Brett, I'm calling you. I'm going to come find you, Brett. I don't want to go after Brett Yormark anymore. I feel bad. And I can't, I mean, there's no way I'm going to get after, I'm going to get any communication with Roger Goodell, so I can't go to the NFL. So who do I go to for this? Big, I, I don't know. I don't know. By the way, this was, this was like four months ago. I reached out or I attempted to reach out to the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, and he never he never replied. So that, that's pretty sad. That was back when uh, – so first of all, that was back when he made the comment about – I don't even remember what he said at this point, but he, he, talked, he talked shade on Kansas. He said something bad about Kansas. Oh, he said that Kansas didn't have a brand, I think is what he said, or uh, something along those lines. So I went to the – his website or the, you know, the, the New York city mayor website. And I filled out my little thing and I said, Hey, Kansas has a brand. First of all, they're national champions in basketball. And at this time, at this point in time, they were undefeated in football and we're about to get college game day. No response. Nothing. Does this guy know who I am? I shouldn't be pulling that card. Uh, that one. I'll keep that one in the deck. All right, I don't even know how I got off on that about... Okay, back to the Chiefs. Chiefs, easiest win of the season on Saturday, I think. Against the Raiders. The Raiders are so pathetic, man. They're just they're just sad. I just, I just feel bad. I just feel bad. There was some clown Raiders fan that had a son that said, we don't deserve this. You don't deserve... Yes, you do. You deserve more. You deserve worse. You're a Raiders fan. That's what you get. So when you look at the Chiefs' schedule, going back, the Cardinals game in week one, 44-21 victory. That one was pretty easy. And then you go down. The Niners game, because of the fact that the Niners are actually a decent team, you beat them 44-23. Maybe that's the answer is easiest game. The Jaguars game, but the Jaguars kind of came back and made it somewhat interesting. And then the Seahawks game, I guess. But, I mean, I think this was the easiest win. The Raiders, they're just so sad. They're just so sad. They didn't even put up a fight. Which, by the way, oh, we got to talk about the snow globe play. For those of you that, oh, I'm sure you've seen it by now at least. In a goal-to-go situation, the Chiefs, before they lined up, they get in the huddle. Everybody locks arms around their shoulders, and they... They spin in a circle for like five seconds. They break the huddle, and then they run out and they run that play. This, they, they called it snow globe. You can, I call it ring around the, the ring around the rosy play. I mean, real talk. Is there anything more disrespectful than that play? Anything? I don't think there is. I mean, think about it. Close your eyes for a second and consider this. You're an NFL player. You're playing in the most competitive league in probably the world with the with the the best athletes certainly in the United States maybe in the world and you're standing there and the other team 
locks arms, and runs around in circles like a bunch of chickens with their heads cut off before they run a play. Oh, and by the way, they score on that play. I, I, I mean, it's just mind-boggling how disrespectful that is. And I loved it. It was great. By the way, the phantom holding call that wasn't on that play, this is my theory about that play. I think as it was unfolding, the officials were like, hey, something about this play is not legal. We don't know what, so we're just going to throw a holding penalty. That's my theory. My theory is the, the NFL officials watched this play unfold, and they were like, this can't be real, first of all. This, this, this can't be a real what's happening right now. This can't be real. And we think something's illegal about it, so we're just going to throw a holding. That's my theory about that play. So the Chiefs robbed of what would have been the most disrespectful slash awesome touchdown ever. So that's pretty sad. But it didn't matter. Listen, I'm getting a lot of reports, a lot of reports, that Patrick Mahomes is better than Jarrett Stidham. I don't know. I, that's just what I'm hearing. I don't know if it's true or not. I don't know, guys. I, I don't know. He might be better. I'm not sure. He's just so good, man. Patrick Mahomes is now 16-0 and on the road as a starter against the AFC West. That means if you're a fan of the Chargers, Broncos, or Raiders, and you've gone to a home game against the Chiefs in the last five years, you've never seen your team win. Never. I mean, that's like the opposite of Allen Fieldhouse, right? That's like the opposite of going out. You know, people talk about all the time. You know, I've been to Allen Fieldhouse games for 20 years, and I've only seen like three losses or four or whatever. Oh, I'm a Raiders fan. I've been to Raiders games for the past three seasons. I've never seen the Raiders win. Yeah, because they suck. Yeah, because they suck. They're terrible. So because of the whole Bengals-Bills situation, with, by the way, some some incredibly excellent news uh, earlier this afternoon uh, re- regarding DeMar Hamlin, he was able to, he was released from the hospital in Cincinnati. He's re- returning home to Buffalo. I think he's going to still need to be in some hospice care or hospital care. Uh, when he gets back back to Buffalo, but I mean, certainly just some truly remarkable news earlier this afternoon that he's that he was able to be discharged from the hospital. I mean, just incredible, really, really amazing stuff. And you get the Naheem Hines kickoff return for touchdown to start the game. Uh, I saw people talking about that was that was almost the equivalent of of D four of not D four uh, D Gordon hitting that home run for the Marlins after Jose Fernandez passed away. I mean, that is just like that's goosebump stuff, man. That's incredible. <clears throat> so really some great news. And because of that situation with the suspended game, they're not going to make up the Chiefs' victory on Saturday over the Raiders gives them the one seed. So the Chiefs have the first round bye, which will we'll break down the playoffs a little bit more in depth later later on in this hour. So they get, they get the one seed. They get the first round bye. They don't have to worry too much. And I'm not going to worry about the neutral field stuff unless it actually comes up. I mean, it's, it's basically at this point, it's just as simple as if the Chiefs and the Bills meet in the AFC title game. But I'm not going to worry about it unless it actually happens. So, I just, I don't know. I just don't really care. In my mind, the Chiefs have secured home field. But more importantly, as as Derek and I have discussed multiple times over the past couple of months, the Chiefs getting the one seed guarantees that you will have to play only one of the Bills or Bengals on your way to the Super Bowl. Only one of those teams. You only have to play one. And I think that that in and of itself is almost more important than 
the home field advantage or the first round bye, really. I mean, truly, truly, yes. I think that could be, you could make that argument. So that's obviously a huge plus. But yeah, I don't care about the neutral site stuff unless it's actually going to happen. I'm just not even going to worry about it. By the way, Kadarius Tony, man, this dude is a problem. A serious problem for other teams. All right, listen, hand up. I know I'm on the radio, so I guess you can't really see me, but I got my hands in the air. Listen, confession. I floated. I never really went all in on this take, but I floated it a couple times to Derek that what if Kadarius Tony ends up being a bad move and that he doesn't play, he can't get healthy. Listen, I was wrong. Dead wrong. Dead wrong. This could be the complete opposite. This could go down as one of Brett Veach's best moves. Truly. I mean, if this guy is a is a Tyreek 2.0 type player in terms of his just game-breaking ability and what he can do with the ball in his hands, and you get him for another couple of years on a rookie deal, this this could be the best move of, of Brett, Brett Veach's career, honestly. I mean, really and truly, this th- that dude is phenomenal. He's just incredible, right? And I think uh, when he when he was still dealing with the injury and we the, the Chiefs first traded for him, there was a discussion that Derek and I had about, oh, you know, well, you know, what's what's maybe the worst case scenario is that what he ends up being like a, a cheap Sammy Watkins 2.0 where he maybe he's hurt and doesn't play a lot in the regular season, but he comes through for you in the playoffs and whatever, right? Like the Chiefs don't win the Super Bowl without Sammy Watkins. Maybe that's kind of the same deal here. It could be. Or it could be that he just ends up being the number one receiver on this team for the next couple of years and you get him on a rookie deal. I mean, I just I could not have been more dead wrong about Kadarius Tony and what I thought might happen with him, at least to this point. Travis Kelsey, by the way, still has not scored a touchdown since November twenty seventh. Isn't that crazy? That's that's like one of those stats that you almost don't believe unless you have to look you have to look it up yourself. But he hasn't. Has not scored a touchdown. He came so close in the Raiders game, actually. He, uh, I'm trying to think. He caught the ball, and he was like, he had his back to the end zone, and he was trying to like fall backwards, and he and he fell down on his on his butt and was short of the goal line. So yeah, no touchdowns for Travis Kelsey since November 27th. So I'm expecting him to go absolutely nuclear in the playoffs because of that. That's my expectation. That's what I expect from Travis Kelsey. Jarek McKinnon also another fun. So you got the, you got the stat about Travis Kelsey not having scored a touchdown since November twenty seventh. Here's another wild stat for you: Jarek McKinnon has more receiving touchdowns than Tyree Kill. Jarek McKinnon has nine receiving touchdowns. Tyree Kill has seven. Boom. Boom. Isn't that crazy? I mean the whole Tyreek the, the whole Tyreek stuff like I don't know man I mean I I mean at this point I think probably most Chiefs fans are along the same lines of as me which is I don't really care anymore the Chiefs offense is is better in, by certain metrics this year than they ever have been with, under Patrick Mahomes right like I don't know I mean I don't I don't want to go as far as to spin it as like it was a it ended up being a positive for the Chiefs but Certainly, it wasn't the negative people thought it was going to be that he wasn't on the team anymore. But then again, 
pretty much every single national media person was absolutely 1,000% completely wrong about the Chiefs in the preseason. All of them. Literally all of them were dead wrong. And for the Chiefs, listen, this is a this was a, a build as a quote unquote soft rebuild. You just went fourteen and three and won the AFC West for the eightieth time in a row. How about that for your rebuild? Yeah. So all in all, a great weekend for the Chiefs. You clowned on the Raiders. You didn't suffer any really injuries, although Frank Clark, I guess, suffered a, a strain to groin, I think, or strain something. But uh, according to Andy Reid earlier today, supposedly it's not that serious. So I, I think he might be fine with the bye week for the divisional round. Not sure. And listen, on Friday's show, actually, before the Chiefs game, when Derek and I previewed this, we talked about how we, we kind of both agreed that regardless of the outcome of this Raiders game, we'd feel pretty good. But man, just absolutely dominating the Raiders like that, just clowning on them, making them look like sad, pathetic fools. That makes you feel really good. <laughs> and it gives you a lot of confidence for the Chiefs heading into the playoffs. A lot of confidence. A lot of confidence in the Chiefs. And you'll have to play the bet you only have to play the Bills or the Bengals. Right? Probably. I mean, I guess hypothetically you might have to play either one, but you figure both of them are going to win in their opening round of the in the uh wildcard round, which we'll talk about that later on in the hour. But yeah, I to me, your confidence in the Chiefs has to be maybe at an all time high right now. You're gonna be rested up. You're coming off a really easy game. You're gonna be at home. In the divisional round, probably at maybe at home in the title game, also. Like, you've got to be feeling really good. Really good. All right, we'll take a short break. When we come back, I want to I want to do a quick little whip around of, of Big 12 basketball. There's a lot to unpack with the Big 12, with Big 12 right now. And we're only three games in the conference play. And it's just it's just gonna keep getting crazier. That is coming up next. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Almost half past four here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Nick Springer. Derek Johnson out today. Will he come back? TBD. Supposed to be back tomorrow. So we'll see. All right. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the, the, the Big 12 in a sort of a more of a macro sense here in basketball. But also I wanted to give an update for uh, on the women's side of things, Kansas women's basketball. They had a, a pretty big game at home against Baylor on Saturday. Fell short in that one, though. So they're now 12-2 and with a loss in conference play. Looking to bounce back tomorrow night. Doubleheader, by the way, tomorrow night of Kansas men's and women's basketball. The women's game starts at 7, and the men's game starts at 8. So how that's going to work on KLWN is – Pre-game coverage for the women's game will start at 6.45. We're going to carry the entirety of the women's game, so from 7 to about 9-ish, and then immediately following the women's game, we'll then pick you up with the men's game, which men's game tips off at 8, so probably around halftime of the men's game, we'll pick it up on KLWN. 
If you want to listen to the entirety of the Kansas men's game, that will be on 105.9 KISS, our sister station, 105.9 KISS. So from 6.45 to 9, we'll have women's basketball here on KLWN. Then we'll flip over to the the rest of the men's game. So the second half plus postgame coverage of the men's game. And if you want the entirety of the men's game, that'll be on 105.9 KISS, our sister station. Anyways, back to this big discussion about the Big 12. Lots of interesting results from the weekend. Lots of interesting results. The Kansas-West Virginia game was probably the most boring slash least interesting game of the weekend, actually. Texas beats Oklahoma State 56-46, to which I find that hilarious because Texas played a game in which there was over 200 total points scored, 116-103. to was the final score when they played Kansas State. And they follow that up with a 56-46 game against Oklahoma State. They get the job done. So Texas is 2-1. TCU and Iowa State, TCU coming off the win against Baylor on the road. They take on Iowa State at home. And Iowa State, pretty much from wire to wire, is in the lead. TCU scores late, gets up, and then Iowa State, last second buzzer beater three. Wins it, 69-67. So Iowa State's 3-0 in the conference. Go figure. And then probably the, the, the largest result of the weekend was Kansas State against Baylor. In OT, they find a way to get it done. And I think what's really telling about a game like that for, for I mean, in this game specifically for Kansas State, but just in general is, think about it. Baylor... You you would you assume Baylor's the better team. You're the better team and you're at home, right? As soon as that game went to overtime, in my brain I was like, okay, it's the Baylor W. So the fact that K State was able to overcome that, to me, is significant. You're on the road, you're playing the worst team. Like that's a situation where if I'm a head coach, I'm thinking, dude, we gotta win this in regulation. We cannot let this game go to overtime. We're not we're we're the other team is better than us, talent wise. They're at home. We have to finish this in regulation. So the fact that they couldn't, the fact that it did go to overtime, and then they still take them down, I mean, that's huge. That's huge. Kansas beats West Virginia, and then Oklahoma defeated Texas Tech in overtime in Norman. And so Texas Tech taken down even further. And when you look at the standings, you've got three teams that are 3 0. Three teams that are 0-3, two 2-1 teams, and two 1-2 teams. So at the bottom, West Virginia, Texas Tech, and Baylor are 0-3. West Virginia being 0-3 I don't think is that surprising. Texas Tech, that's pretty surprising, right? And then obviously the big shocker is Baylor, who was, depending on who you asked or depending on what outlet you looked at, they were the preseason favorites, but certainly not anymore. And, and seriously... Baylor being 0-3, I mean, can they come back from that? Are they done? Are we writing them off from winning the conference just like that? 0-3, start, 0-3 to start conference play and you're done just like that? I mean, I don't think it's that crazy to write them off. I, we probably shouldn't, though. I think there's going to be some regression. or So there's the term regression to the mean. What is the opposite of regression to the mean? Like what would be like saying regression to the mean versus not a, not regression to the mean? <laughs> the op- I don't know what the opposite of that is. <laughs> what what you, you get what I'm saying though. So I don't know, maybe. Maybe. 
The two one and two teams, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, that's fine. I mean, I think at this point you'd have to say West Virginia and Oklahoma are probably the two teams near the bottom of the conference. Maybe Oklahoma State, but I guess you got to put Texas Tech down there too. And then you got Baylor at 0 3. Like, what, what do you even do with that? Like, Baylor's 0 3, but I think you still have to say they're like the fifth or sixth best team in the conference, right? But I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they actually just suck, which would be hilarious. That'd be awesome. Because I don't really like Scott Drew that much. I just don't. Never have. Probably never will. It's funny, isn't that, as a sports fan, when you form your opinions about another coach or another player, especially if it's a coach or a player that you face off against, like your favorite team plays, there's nothing that that player or coach could ever do that that would probably make you, that would change your opinion of them. You know what I'm saying? Isn't that kind of silly? But then again, aren't just isn't this whole concept of sports just kind of silly? I don't know. All right, enough philosophical talk. Texas and TCU, they are the two two and one teams. TCU, of course, got the win on the road against Baylor. Then they lost at home to Iowa State, so they're two and one. Texas lost against K State at home. They're two and one. Texas has the Chris Beard situation hanging over them. Although now that he has actually been fired, maybe that maybe that clears things up for him. Maybe that maybe that clears him up a little bit. I don't know. And then TCU, a team that was kind of a trendy pick preseason, then they barely beat Arkansas Pine Bluff. They lose to Northwestern State early in the year, and suddenly people are like, "Ooh, TCU, ooh, ooh, ooh." Well, they they seem to have pretty much righted the ship, and they're you know they're they're two and one in conference. And then your three three and zero teams, Kansas, Iowa State. Kansas State. Certainly, Kansas State's the big one that jumps out at you like, whoa, Kansas State. I thought they were supposed to be bad. Well, Jerome Tanks got them them playing really well. Got them playing really well. And kind of the same discussion as I had about Baylor, how you would think that that they're going to kind of level out. You figure that Kansas State is probably going to regress to the mean a little bit. But here's the thing, like, with a three and zero start like this in conference play, like regressing to the mean for K State, does that mean they finish ten and eight in conference or nine and nine in conference versus in the preseason when maybe you thought they were going to go six and ten or even or maybe seven and nine in conference or not seven and nine? I can't do math, man. Seven and eleven or six and twelve. There we go. Ten and eight, nine and nine, eight and ten. Seven and eleven, six. There we go. Six, yeah, okay, 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 okay. They don't pay me to do math. They just don't. But seriously, I mean, I I, I expect that K State is going to regress to the mean, but at the same time, I got to give them respect, man. And listen, A people give them respect. They jumped from unranked to number eleven, so they're they're definitely getting respect, as they should. I mean, Texas is a top ten team. Baylor was a top ten team, but you figure not anymore. And like I said, January 17th, Kansas at Kansas State. You're going to want to have that one circled because if K-State keeps up their success and you know both Kansas and Kansas State are undefeated in conference play or K-State has one loss maybe in conference play going into that game, that is going to be the rowdiest environment in all college, in all college basketball. 
So K-State's got Oklahoma State at home, and then they're at TCU before they play Kansas. So feasibly, they, they could be, you know, 4-1. and one. I mean, you, I would expect that they can beat Oklahoma State at home. The TCU game is kind of a kind of a toss-up. So 4-1, and one, potentially 5-0 and oh with Kansas rolling into town. Yeah, you're going to want to watch that one for sure. All right, so that's a quick little update on the Big 12 Conference standings. Like I said at the top of the show, though, I think if you're Kansas, you're ecstatic about the current state of the conference standings. You're 3-0. Baylor's 0-3. Texas is looking shaky. TCU just lost at home to Iowa State. you got to be feeling fantastic if you're Kansas. I'll take a short break. When we come back, we'll break down the NFL wildcard weekend. Final final day of the regular season in the NFL was yesterday, and we'll break down the playoffs coming up next. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320. KLWN. Depend on it. About 15 minutes till 5 o'clock here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Nick Springer. Derek Johnson out today. Be back tomorrow. I'm not sure how good of idea and good of an idea it was to leave the show in my hands, but here we are. Nothing too terrible has happened yet. I'd give myself a solid B minus. Well, no, I think I'm doing a little better than that. I'll, I'll pat myself on the back. B, B plus, B plus, B plus on the show today. So yesterday was also the last day of the NFL regular season. So we're into the playoffs now. Wildcard matchups are set. I'll just run through them real quick for you. Saturday, Seahawks 49ers at 3.30. These, these times are all central time, by the way. I don't recognize Eastern time as a legitimate time. Sorry. Central time. Saturday, Saturday night. Chargers-Jaguars at 7.15. Sunday, Dolphins-Bills at 12. Giants-Vikings at 3.30. Ravens-Bengals at 7.15. And round out the weekend with Cowboys-Bucks at 7.15. First of all, I just want to say, honestly, kind of some bleh matchups. Truly. Really. When you think about it. And also, I am upset. I'm very upset. I'm angry. I might even be ticked, you would say. Or irate that the Lions are not in the playoffs. Literally everyone, every single person, besides Seahawks fans, wanted them instead of the Seahawks. Everyone. Literally everyone. The Lions are fun. They're exciting. They got Dan Campbell, the epitome of a football guy. They're a young team. They're they're fun. They knocked out the Packers. Everybody wanted this. Everybody wanted the Lions. Everybody. I think we should draw up a petition. Let's go to Roger Goodell. Say, hey, nobody wants the Seahawks in the playoffs. Do the right thing and put the Lions in. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. So, yeah, I am. I, I hate the Rams. All the Rams had to do was beat the Seahawks and the Lions would be in. But no, no, the Rams, the 5-12 and 12 Rams. And now Sean McVay is going to retire, is the rumor. Poor old Sean McVay. Poor old 36-year-old Super Bowl winning coach Sean McVay. 
He doesn't want to try to rebuild. He just wants to retire. Oh, come on. Come on. Yeah, so I'm mad. I'm mad at the Seahawks. But I guess I should be mad at the Rams. I'm just mad at everything about the Lions. Lions should be in the playoffs. Lions should be in the playoffs. I kind of touched on this a little bit with the Chiefs, but I think if you're the Chiefs, you feel really good about just about any matchup you can have. I mean, your four options if you're the Chiefs, you're going to get either the Jaguars, the Chargers, the Dolphins, or the Ravens. Those are the four teams that you're going to get, or that you hypothetically could get. And we don't know the status of Lamar Jackson with the Ravens. The Dolphins looking like they're going to be rolling out Skylar Thompson versus the Bills. You already beat the Jaguars pretty easily once. I mean, I guess the Chargers are the only team where you're like, where you don't feel 100% confident. But even then, it's like the Chargers, they'll just find a way to charger it up, man. That's just what they do. That's what they're good at. That's just what they do, man. That's what they do. Now, I mean, it is annoying that Justin Herbert turns into Dan Marino when he plays the Chiefs. I mean, that's concerning. But I think, I mean, it's not like you're going to be nervous, I don't think, if, if you're playing the Chargers again. I mean, I know there's the old adage, oh, it's hard to beat a team three times in the seat in one season. Yeah, I don't care about that, man. If you're the better team, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So if you're the Chiefs, you feel pretty good about all your matchups. All right, 49ers Seahawks on Saturday. I want the Niners because I'm mad at the Seahawks for being there. It should be the Lions. I I still can't decide if the Niners are a legit, like, Super Bowl team. I mean, they've got Brock Purdy. They're rolling out Brock Purdy. But, like, they're just really good. Really good on defense. They've had two bad defensive games this season. The Chiefs and then the Raiders, when Jared Sidham just randomly became really good. So, I'm not really sure. I I think the Niners could be like an NFC Championship team, NFC Championship game team. But are they going to the Super Bowl? I don't know. I don't know. I really don't. But I think they, they're better than the Seahawks, certainly. So, I'll, I'll, I think the Niners there. Chargers at Jaguars, to me, is probably the most intriguing matchup, maybe. Besides Cowboys Bucks, I guess you got Giants Vikings in there too. I don't know. I mean, I mean, okay. I I, I let off the segment by saying there's kind of some blah matchups. That was maybe a bit of an overreaction. I mean, it's NFL playoffs. The games are probably going to be good. So Chargers Jaguars. I really like the Jaguars. Uh, to me, the Jaguars are the AFC version of the Lions. They're like the the underdog team that has been. Really bad for quite a while. They, they're kind of fun. Doug Peterson's a pretty easy, likable guy. I don't have any... I like Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is fine. So, we'll see. We'll see We'll see there. I, I'm not sure, though. I think that game could probably go either way. I think the Jaguars are favored, though. Dolphins, Bills, as I said, the Dolphins... Looking like they, I think they're going to be rolling out Skylar Thompson. I don't know the status of Tua either at this point. 
Obviously, if you're the Bills, losing in this game would be a disaster. A disaster of epic proportions. So, I assume the Bills are going to win that one. Giants-Vikings is interesting. Would be hilarious if the, if the Giants win. Hilarious. I'm out on Kirk Cousins. I was kind of in on Kirk Cousins for a good chunk of the season. No, he sucks. He sucks. So I think it'd be funny if the Giants won. And I just, I don't know, man. I mean, the Vikings, like, what are they? They're, they're, are they 13 and 4? Are they 12 and 5? Whatever they are, I think they, their, their point differential is still like negative, I think, or close to it. So I guess in theory, the Vikings could get hot and, I mean, I I think they're good enough that they could make like an NFC Championship run. But I also think that they could just fall flat at any moment. Then you got Ravens Bengals again with the Lamar situation. You don't really know. You figure the Bengals will take care of business there. And then Cowboys Bucks. Tom Brady, by the way, has never lost to the Bucks in his entire career. Never. Or no, not to the Bucks. He's He's never lost to the Cowboys. I just messed that up. So let me let me rewind. Tom Brady has never lost to the Cowboys in his career. All right, I just meant in black to you, so you didn't remember what I said the first time. Tom Brady's never lost to the Cowboys in his career. I think there's probably a, a, a decent chunk of fans out there that would probably wish that somehow the Cowboys and the Bucks could just both lose. I would think. So, I don't know. I mean, listen, the Cowboys choke. But also, do I really do I really want to root for Tom Brady? No, I don't. I really don't. I actually like at all. So, <laughs> that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Cuz I really don't I really don't want to root for Tom Brady, but I I mean, I'm not a big Cowboys guy either. I never really I've never really cared for the Cowboys. My dad hates the Cowboys. My dad hates the Cowboys and he hates the Steelers. I think he told me why I hated the Steelers once, but I don't remember. And I mean, listen, the Cowboys are the type of team where either you love them or you hate them. There's no in between. No in between. So going back to the AFC for the for the sake of the Chiefs discussion, you have to assume that the Bills and Bengals are gonna win. They're playing against two teams that are probably going to be without their starting quarterbacks. Or their starting quarterbacks will be coming off of multi-game injuries. So you probably don't give those the, the Dolphins or the Bill or the Dolphins or the Ravens much of a chance. So in that scenario, if the Bills and the Bengals both win, then that would essentially mean that the Chiefs will get the winner of the Chargers Jaguars game. Because the Bills and the Bengals are the two and three seeds. So they would they're they're gonna play each other if they both win in the divisional round. So then that would leave you with the 4-5 matchup, which is the Chargers and the Jaguars. And the Chiefs would play the winner of that game. And again, if it's Jaguars, you're feeling great. You're playing the Jaguars at home to go to the AFC Championship. I don't think it gets any better than that if you're the Chiefs. And if you're playing the Chargers, I think you still feel pretty good. I think you still feel pretty good. So that's how I suspect... I think that's probably the most reasonable way that this is going to play out. 
you're gonna get the chart. You're gonna get either the Chargers or the Jaguars. Because I, I mean, seriously, I, I don't see how the Bills or the Bengals loses. I mean, that would be great for the Chiefs, right? Phenomenal. I just don't know how it happens. I mean, I think the Ravens, I guess, could hypothetically beat the Bengals. Maybe. I would give them a better chance of beating the Bengals than I would give the Dolphins of beating the Bills. But I, it still seems highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. So that's kind of a, a look at the wild card weekend matchups. Seahawks, Niners, Chargers, Jaguars, Dolphins, Bills, Giants, Vikings, Ravens, Bengals, Cowboys, Bucks. That's what you got. And on its surface, I like I said, I started the segment by saying I thought there was kind of some bad matchups, but and on its surface, it does kind of look like it, considering the injuries to some of those teams. But there's some decent matchups in there, I think. I think. All right, we're about to take another timeout, and when we come back, it will be in the 5 o'clock hour. Case of the Monday is coming up at the top of the hour, and then some audio from Kevin McCuller and Grady Dick after the West Virginia win on Saturday, and more audio from Bill Self after the West Virginia win on Saturday. And just a quick reminder that uh, tomorrow night, a doubleheader of women's basketball for KU and men's basketball. So the women's game starts at 7. Pre-game coverage will start at 6.45 here on KLWN. And KLWN is going to carry the entirety of that game. The men's game starts at 8, so it'll be around halftime by 9, which is what time the women's game should be getting done. So after the women's game concludes, we'll immediately switch you over to the rest of the men's game, so second half plus post-game coverage on KLWN. If you want the entirety of the men's game, you can hear that on our sister station, 105.9 KISS FM. That's for tomorrow night. And also reminder, Hawk Talk coming up with Bill Self right after... Rock Truck Sports Talk at 6 o'clock tonight. And on Thursday, Hawk Talk with Brandon Schneider at 6. From 6 to 7, High School Sports Weekly is back, live at Burgers by Biggs here in Lawrence. And we've been doing this. We did this quite a bit also with because of the Hawk Talks that we had uh, before the winter break. We're doing it again on Thursday. So we'll be live from 6 to 7 with High School Sports Weekly live. At Burgers by Biggs. So if you go to Burgers by Biggs, we'll be live there from 6 to 7. And then we will play that back from 7 to 8 on Thursday, immediately following the Hawk Talk with Brandon Snyder, which is scheduled from 6 to 7. And also high school basketball back on the area as well on KWN on Friday. So that's a look at some of our programming notes for this week. We'll take a timeout. 5 o'clock hour coming up next with Case of the Mondays. You're listening to Rock Talk Sports Talk. On FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Tough getting out of bed this morning after your weekend-long bender? I gotta get out of here. I think I'm gonna lose it. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Instead of focusing on Monday, it's time to rehash the glory days of the weekend that was. Right now on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're freaking me out, man. I got a massive headache. Okay, let's just calm down. How much does it calm down? Look around you. With Derek Johnson. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. All right, it's 5 o'clock on a Monday. 
You know what that means. Time for Case of the Mondays here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Nick Springer. Derek Johnson is out, so won't be joining me for Case of the Mondays. Maybe Derek's having a Case of the Mondays. I don't know. It is that time. Case of the Mondays. Let me just uh, keep up the music here. Where is the music? Oh, there it is. Get the good stuff. There we go. Music's rolling. Case of the Mondays on this Monday. Reminder that I believe this segment should be Case of the Tuesdays. Tuesday is actually the worst day of the week, not Monday. Monday gets all the hate because it's the first day after Sunday, but Tuesday is the real worst day of the week because that is the day that the rest of the week sets in. That is the day that you realize, man, I really had the whole week in front of me. Tuesday is the worst day of the week. This has been a PSA brought to you by the Nick Springer Coalition for Tuesday being the worst day of the week. If you'd like to join the coalition, please contact Nick Springer, me. No, I'm just kidding. There is no coalition. But, I mean, if you wanted to form one, I'm down. I'll be the I'll be the speaker. I'll be the mouthpiece. Anyways, case of the Mondays. First off, first off on case of the Mondays. People who think sports are more exciting than politics. That's right. If you were not locked into C-SPAN over the weekend, what were you doing? Kevin McCarthy kept losing the House Speaker. Man, if he would have lost one more House Speaker vote, he would have had the first pick in the NFL draft locked up. But then the Texans came through and beat the Colts, and McCarthy was robbed of the first overall pick. Bad day, bad Monday to be someone who thinks that sports are more exciting than politics. Absolute pandemonium on the House floor. C-SPAN going wild. You know what's sad, though? This is this what made me think about this. C-SPAN does not have any commentary. And to me, that is a shame. If you had somebody on C-SPAN doing, you know, play-by-play or, what, or commentary or whatever, I guarantee you more people would watch. I'll do it. Sign me up. I'm there. If you had more people paying that, paying attention to that, then I'm, I'm telling you, C-SPAN would be off the charts. Be the most watched television channel in history. But alas, the Texans won. The Bears get the first pick. Kevin McCarthy's the third overall pick in the NFL draft. Bad Monday to be someone who thinks that sports are more exciting than politics. What a wild weekend. Case of the Mondays for Devontae Adams. I want you to think about this timeline for Devontae Adams. He's with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. He's doing very well. He's doing very well for himself in Green Bay. Universally loved. Aaron Rodgers loves him, certainly. But he wants to be paid more. He wants to go play ball with his friend Derek Carr from Fresno State. So he has to get traded. The Packers oblige him. He is traded to the Raiders to play with his friend Derek Carr. The Raiders proceed to stink. Stink the whole season. They're just they're just bad. They're just terrible all season long. So bad that Derek Carr gets benched and will presumably not be back with the Raiders after this season. And Adams is left holding the bag, being on a crap team, 
without his friend at quarterback. Isn't that sad? What do you do if you're Devontae Adams, by the way? I mean, do you try to force a trade? Because Josh Jacobs is in the same situation. Josh Jacobs just had a, a, a career year, and the last year was rookie contract, I believe. So he's going to be, I, I don't know that he'll be back. Derek Carr is certainly gone, or what, it, what would seem like he's gone. What do you do if you're Devontae Adams? Seriously, what, what do you do? I mean, talk about taking a risk and it just falls flat in Las Vegas, no less. Taking a risk. Or shall we say gambling, perhaps. Taking a gamble that did not pay off. Hmm. 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 Interesting. A gamble in Las Vegas. So yeah, that's a tough, that's rough. That's a tough timeline for Devontae Adams. I mean, obviously, listen, he's still making a bajillion dollars. So he's he's fine. But I mean, that's rough. That is rough. Get traded to a team with Derek Carr all offseason. Everybody's just ooing and awing and gushing over the Raiders. All oh, the Raiders. All oh, the Raiders this, the Raiders that. Devontae Adams, Derek Carr. Josh Jacobs, they're going to win the AFC West. <laughs> Case of the Mondays for Devontae Adams. He's waking up today, and he is not feeling good about this last season. I kind of alluded to it already, but Case of the Mondays for Texans fans. Now, you may be asking yourself, well, hang on a second. Texans fans, don't they have a Case of the Mondays like every Monday? They suck. Their team sucks. Well, yes. But this particular Monday, it's even worse. Now, you might think to yourself, how could it be worse? They won. They literally won. So how could they be having a case of the Mondays? And it'd be even worse than a regular case of the Mondays when they when they lose. Well, let me, let me lay it out for you. The Texans are in line for the number one overall pick. The only thing in their way, the Texans. That's right. All the Texans have to do is lose to the Indianapolis Colts. They have the number one overall pick. And what happens? A miracle comeback late in the game. A miracle comeback win. That included the Texans going for two to beat the Colts. 32-31. The Texans win. Yes. Yay. Texans. Go Texans. They won. But at what cost? The number one overall pick. No, it goes to the Bears because the Bears lost. And the Bears now have the worst record. The Chicago Bears, they get the number one overall pick. And so, inadvertently, Texans fans have a case of the Mondays again, even after they win. That's a double whammy. Like, think about that for a second. You're having a case of the Mondays virtually every Monday because your team sucks. Your team finally wins. And in the process of winning, they remove themselves from the number one overall pick. So that's like a double catastrophe of case of the Mondays. Texans fans, they're going through it. Meanwhile, the Bears, they have the number one pick, but they already have Justin Fields. They don't need a quarterback. They could trade down. Good draft, Will Anderson. 
Bears on the clock. By the way, people forget the 2023 NFL Draft in, in April is in Kansas City. It's at Union Station. That's pretty exciting. I don't know. I do. I think that the NFL Draft, I, I have this sneaking suspicion that being at the NFL Draft in person is probably actually very overrated. I, I don't. I've never been to an NFL draft, so I don't know. But that—that's my suspicion. That it's probably overrated. I, I don't know for sure, and maybe I'll have to go in April to to determine that for sure. But that's that's just my sneaking suspicion is that going to the NFL draft and being at the NFL draft in person is probably overrated, unless your unless your team has a number one pick, which obviously the Chiefs. That's not going to be the case. So I don't know, but yeah, having never having never been to an NFL draft, I I'm just basing this off of a a hunch. I I'm, I suspect that it's probably. I mean, listen, you know what I'm talking about. There's there's probably some event. There's probably events out there that they're like really cool events, and you're like, oh, it'd be cool. But then like deep down, you're like, you know, I bet it it's probably a lot better to experience this event like from my couch or like not at the event. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. That's what I think the NFL draft is. But I don't know. I guess we'll see. So, yes, Bears have the number one pick. Case of the Mondays for Texans fans. Case of the Mondays for Jets plus three and a half betters. Let me lay it out for you. First of all, Jets-Dolphins on Sunday. The snooziest of all snooze games. I mean... This was prime your dad takes a nap game right here. Jets Dolphins. Prime. It doesn't get any better for nap time than a 6 to 6 game. It really doesn't. So it's 6 to 6. We're tied. Dolphins get the ball. They go down. They get in field goal range. They kick a field goal to make it 9 to 6 with about I think there's like 20 seconds left in the game when the Dolphins kick this field goal. Nine to six. There hasn't been a touchdown all game. All game. So when it's tied at six in the fourth, as a Jets plus three and a half better, you are kicked back. You've got your feet up. You're counting your winnings already before they even hit your account. You're feeling good. There's no way the Dolphins are going to score a touchdown to cover the three and a half. So you're feeling really good if you're a Jets plus three and a half better. Feeling great. Dolphins kick a field goal to go up. You know, nine to six with 20 seconds left. That's still covering three and a half. So as a Jets better, you're like, man, this is great. Living the dream. There's no possible way the Dolphins are going to score to cover this. Jets get the ball back. Joe Flacco tries a couple of attempts downfield. Doesn't work. So now there's like four seconds left. The Jets try the old hook and ladder. Except they don't, except they go the wrong direction. They keep hooking lateraling backwards, and they're not really going forwards. Eventually, the ball comes back to Joe Flacco, and he's standing at like his own five-yard line, and he throws it, and it gets knocked around. It goes into the end zone, out of the side of the end zone, and the game is over. Game's done. And as the Jets plus three and a half better, you might have turned the game off. You might have just assumed you won. You may not have even realized it. What you didn't realize, though, is that that lateral into the end zone with zero seconds on the clock, became a safety. Final score, 11-6. to six. Dolphins cover three and a half. That is sickening. 
utterly disgusting from the Dolphins to cover three and a half. And if you were a Jets plus three and a half better, yikes. Yikes. I mean, that is brutal. A brutal bad beat. Because you were right. There was no way the Dolphins were going to score a ton to cover. And they didn't score a ton. You were right. Joe Flacco inadvertently costing people that were betting on his team. Jets betters. Serious, serious case of the Mondays for for Jets plus three and a half betters. This gives me flashbacks to the Giants and the Commanders over 40 and a half that finished it at 20 to 20. I mean, that is bad. That is bad, bad, bad. Whew. Bad. Case of the Mondays for philosophers. <clears throat> you may be thinking to yourself, philosophers? How do philosophers have a case of the Mondays? Aren't they just philosophizing? Philosophite? Philosopher? Philosophing? Philosophing? No, that's not right. That can't be right. That sounds like flossing, philosophing, philosophizing. Anyways, case of the money's for philosophers. Maybe wondering why. I'm going to tell you why. Because they're going to have to hear about how Aaron Rodgers is going to go sit on a mountaintop somewhere and meditate and ponder if he wants to come back and play football next season. And he's going to be all over everything. He's going to be waving the, you know, the, the burning stuff piece of wood in front of his house trying to figure out please should I return or should I let the Lions retire me to end my to end my career it's going to be non-stop non-stop Rogers coverage and he's just going to be sitting on a mountaintop somewhere hmm should I return to play more football I'm Aaron Rodgers I mean listen I know a lot of people are sick and tired of Aaron Rodgers I know they are but you know what's hilarious is after the after the Lions win, and listen, if the if the Rams had beat the Seahawks and the Lions win to make the play, the Lions would have beaten the, the Packers to make the playoffs. This would have made this a hundred thousand times worse. But if you were watching that game and uh, in the immediate aftermath of the game, NBC's coverage turned literally to like a twenty four seven Aaron Rodgers news channel. They were just on Aaron Rodgers. They had the they had the camera like following him down the tunnel with Randall Cobb like Aaron Rodgers walks off into the sunset a defeated warrior goes will he return ever right if the if the if the Lions had actually made the playoffs and that was what NBC's coverage was if I was a Lions fan I'd be suing I'd be suing be like we just made the playoffs and all you want to do is follow Aaron Rodgers around I mean Man. But also, how amazing would it be if the Lions did end Aaron Rodgers' career right there? That was it. If Aaron Rodgers called it quits. And it was the Lions of all teams. The Lions at Lambeau Field. Driving the stake in Aaron Rodgers' heart in ending his career. How crazy would that be? All right. Speaking of the Lions, case of the Mondays. For people who think crying isn't for men. If you haven't seen this video, you got to find it. Jamal Williams, doing his, <laughs> during his post-game interview, he's, he's, he's crying. He's visibly crying during the post-game interview. And then he gives an all-time legendary quote. 
This is Jamal Williams. Quote, don't let these tears fool you. It's all dog around this mug. End quote. Legend. Absolute legend. And for people who think crying isn't for men, case of the Mondays. A bad one. Bad case of the Mondays. Listen, I'm all for it, man. It's the emotions of the emotions of life, the emotions of the game. Like sometimes you just gotta cry, man. You just gotta cry. You just gotta let it out. You know? Whether it's positive, whether it's I mean this uh, this was a, a joyous crying, right? That's the the quote. Don't let these don't let these tears fool you. It's all dog around here. It's all dog around this mug. Great, great quote from Jamal Williams. And absolutely, man, you should let your emotions fly. Certainly. I mean, if if I was a player in that situation, man, I would. I mean, listen, as a fan, when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, I was I cried a lot when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. I'll just say. I'll just say it. It was a great, great night, and I, it was a very, very happy time. Very, very happy time. So, yeah, sometimes you just got to cry. But, yeah, case of the Mondays for people who think crying isn't for men. <clears throat> All right, last one that I kind of already alluded to earlier, too. Case of the Mondays for people who said the Chiefs were cooked in the preseason. Went, went. Cry me a river. Broncos imploded. They fired their first-year head coach in however many games. The Raiders stink. And the Chargers are going to Charger. I mean, how glorious is that? And the Chiefs just get to laugh in everyone's faces. They just get to laugh in everyone's faces. I can't tell you how many. And I'm what I'm really glad for is this is what I'm most glad for Twitter. Because Twitter keeps screenshots. And they keep receipts on this stuff. And literally... I mean, this has been going on for the past couple weeks when the Chiefs already had the AFC West locked up. But literally over the past couple weeks, it's been screenshots of Bart Scott, Nate Burleson, Stephen A. Smith, any insert NFL pundit here of, oh, the Chiefs are going to finish last in the AFC West. Oh, the Raiders are going to win the AFC West. Oh, I think the Broncos are going to win the AFC I think the Broncos are going to win. I think And look what happened. The Chiefs had the AFC West locked up like with a month left in the season. Absolute clown show in the national media. Clown show. I mean, these people have, might, be, might be having the worst case of the Mondays out of anybody I just listed. Case of the Mondays for people who said the Chiefs were cooked in the preseason. Wah, wah. That sucks. Not for the Chiefs, though. For the Chiefs, they're going to put their feet up and chill on the bye week and live their life before the division round. All right, this has been Case of the Mondays here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Got some audio coming up for the rest of this hour. Coming up, we'll hear from from Grady Dick and Kevin McCuller after the win against West Virginia on Saturday. And later on in the hour, Bill Self. We'll hear from Bill Self as well after the West Virginia win. So some audio coming up the rest of this hour. And I just want to give another quick reminder that tomorrow night we'll have Kansas women's basketball and Kansas men's basketball on the air here on KLWN. The women's game starts at 7. Pre-game coverage will begin at 645. And we will, KLWN will carry the entirety of that game. And the men's game tips off at 8. 
So immediately following the conclusion of the women's game, which should be around 9-ish or halftime of the men's game, KLWN will switch over to carry the rest of the men's game plus post-game coverage. If you want to hear the entirety of the men's game tomorrow night against Oklahoma, you can hear that on our sister station, 105.9 KISS. That 105.9 KISS will carry the entirety of the game. KLWN will have the women's game in, in its entirety until around 9-ish. The game tips off at 7. And then we'll get you the rest of the men's game following the women's game right here on KLWN plus post-game coverage. Thursday night, Hot Talk with Brandon Schneider, followed by High School Sports Weekly. And Friday night, High School Basketball on the air here on KLWN as well. And a reminder that coming up after Rock Talk Sports Talk here tonight at 6, Hawk Talk with Bill Self. That's just a little update on some of our programming coming up this week. But got some audio coming up, as I said, from Kevin McCuller and Grady Dick, along with Bill Self. Coming up the rest of this 5 o'clock hour, we'll take a short break. You're listening to Rock Talk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320. KLWN, depend on it.